Um, so we're in our series, we're knee-deep in November. Our series is called Echo Chamber. And uh, in case you missed it last week, you weren't here, this, this uh, series, the simple idea is we're emphasizing the importance of remembering the faithfulness of God. The, the simple definition of an echo chamber is something where sound is not lost. When, if you're in an echo chamber, you speak something, it comes back to you, you hear it again, you're reminded of what you said. You are uh, being, uh, you're remembering what was already spoken. And with, when it comes to spiritually, we need, we, it is important that we live in a spiritual echo chamber. We are constantly being reminded and our minds being renewed in the faithfulness of God and understanding his faithfulness. Because if we don't do that, we run the danger of, running, of living in this kind of a pit in our faith, of mundane, passionless faith. And uh, we all know when we get into a, a, tr- a kind of a rut like that, it can be difficult to get out. So we're just talking about the faithfulness of God, and we are celebrating it, we are reiterating it, and we are um, enjoying going through this month just uh, reminiscing and reveling in the faithfulness of God. So that being said, uh, we're going to jump right in. My text verse today is out of Luke 5. I'm going to ask you to stand with me, if you would, in honor of reading God's word together. Uh, My text verse is a little longer today, so you're going to stand for a few more seconds, but that's okay. Uh, Just pretend it's overtime at a Georgia football game. Um, but the setting for this is that Jesus is in his earthly ministry. He's in a house. Uh, before this verse, it actually says earlier in the chapter that the power of God was there to heal, so the house was full of people. And, um, and we'll pick it up there in verse 18 through 26. It says, Some men came carrying a paralyzed man on a mat and tried to take him into the house to lay him before Jesus. When they could not find a way to do this because of the crowd, they went up on the roof and lowered him on his mat through the tiles into the middle of the crowd right in front of Jesus. When Jesus saw their faith, he said, friend, your sins are forgiven. The Pharisees and the teachers of the law began thinking to themselves, who is this fellow who speaks blasphemy? Who can forgive sins but God alone? Jesus knew what they were thinking and asked, why are you thinking these things in your hearts? Which is easier, to say your sins are forgiven or to say get up and walk? But I want you to know that the Son of Man has authority on earth to forgive sins. So he said to the paralyzed man, I tell you, get up, Take your mat and go home. Immediately he stood up in front of them, took what he had been lying on, and went home praising God. Everyone was amazed and gave praise to God. They were filled with awe and said, we have seen remarkable things today. Praise God. That's a beautiful passage of scripture. Uh, The title of my message today is Standing in the Gap. Would you pray with me this morning? Heavenly Father, we are so grateful to come into your presence. Lord, we thank you that you are here today. God, I pray that you would fill us to overflowing today and that we would be able to receive your word. God, I pray that the words that come from me today, that they would fall on deaf ears, but the words that that are yours, that they would produce in our life the fruit from good soil and seed being planted in it, God. So we pray that you would have your way. We pray that your will would be done, that your kingdom would come in these next few minutes we have together for your glory and for our good in the mighty name of Jesus. And everyone said, Amen. amen. Praise God. You can be seated. The game's over. Georgia lost. That'll happen when they play Ohio State. Just... All right. No more football talk, people. We're here for Jesus. So uh, I'll get to my uh, title and my text here in a moment. Uh, but I want to kind of just quickly review from last week in case you weren't here. Uh, last week we kicked off this series just talking about remembering that God is faithful and and proving the point that God is always faithful in our life. 
Now, there's times that we get to see his faithfulness with our eyes. In fact, my text verse from last week was out of Deuteronomy when Moses was reminding the children of Israel to remember what they've seen, the faithfulness of God, where they saw him part the Red Sea, where they saw him do all these miraculous things to bring them out of Egypt. He reminded them to not forget what they have seen and that they are to tell future generations what God has done. So sometimes we actually get to see his faithfulness with our eyes. Other times we have to see his faithfulness with our eyes of faith, where we can't necessarily just see it and it's not a tangible thing, but understanding that God is faithful in every situation in our life. And just because we don't necessarily feel like he might be faithful in a situation does not change truth. Just like with salvation, just because sometimes you may not feel as saved as other times, it doesn't mean you're not saved, right? There are times in life where you just feel more saved than others. And I know that's horrible doctrine because there's no such thing, you're either saved or you're not, but you know what I'm talking about because our emotions get involved. Sometimes you're on an emotional high and it's easy to feel like you're loving Jesus and you're saved, right? Like for a lot of the women that were here yesterday, it was a great time together and uh, being encouraged in the Lord and being able to share together, it was beautiful. And, and even coming on to church on a Sunday morning for us, it's, it's easy to get our emotions stirred up and it's, it's just, we feel saved. But then there's other times where we don't feel as saved, where we are struggling whenever that, that sin that easily entangles you, the vice that you have, that if you're gonna struggle with sin, that's the one that's gonna come at you. When you're struggling with that, you feel like you can't get victory, you feel like you don't deserve God's salvation in your life, or you're frustrated with God because of trauma in your life, and you, you just don't really feel really saved, it doesn't change the fact that you are saved. If you've met the requirements of salvation, you're saved. And the Bible is very clear. Paul says in Romans, he says, if you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. So if you stand on that, you are saved, whether you feel it or not. In fact, the moment you got saved, if you can remember the time that you gave your life to Jesus, you may not have felt a whole lot different in that moment. You know, some people have an incredible, overwhelming experience where they're just, their life is completely changed in the moment. For others, it's a, it's a work of process, right? And so just because you may not feel different or feel saved, we wouldn't question whether or not we're saved because we know what the Word of God says. Well, the Word of God also says that he's faithful. So whether we feel like he's faithful or not does not change truth. Truth is truth. It is, it is solid, it is unchanging, and it cannot be argued to any effective point because the truth of God is that he is always faithful in our life. And we do not live by our feelings. Praise God for that. In fact, if you're here any amount of time, you know I beat that drum hard, that it is, our life is not about our feelings. Our faith is not about our feelings. Our feelings can be a blessing. They can also be a horrible curse easily in our life so and the fact is god's faithfulness doesn't always look the same every anyway you know we want it to look a certain way we want it to be this supernatural experience where man god just does something in the sea parts and we just see this you know we see the the beam of light come from heaven and you could just there's no arguing that god did this incredible thing but it looks different all the time in fact even when god when we pray and we're asking god for something we're looking for his faithfulness in our life in a tangible way sometimes you pray for something God gives you the answer, he answers yes, and he answers it quickly. That's the best case scenario, right? When you pray and God just says yes, and he does it. I remember a situation when I was uh, living in West Africa with a team, we were a team of missionaries living in, in West Africa, just taking the gospel there. And we'd meet together as a team uh, every morning, and one morning was different than others because there was a woman on our team that was having a, she had a debilitating migraine that morning, and you could just see it in her face, and I finally asked her, I said, what is going on? And she said, oh, I'm, I'm dying, I, my head's just killing me. 
And it was one of those moments that you just can't explain, but I felt the presence of God so strong in me at that moment. I, I can only mention, I can only think of two or three times in my life where it's been like that for me, where I've felt it that strong, where I just, my faith just welled up inside of me. And I knew the Lord was telling me to pray for her. I walked over there, put my hand on her head, and I prayed the most spiritual prayer I ever prayed. I said, dear Jesus, please heal her head. <laughs> Some of you didn't get that joke, so I have to laugh. It wasn't spiritual at all. I just knew. I knew. I put my hand on her head. I prayed, and I was done. I looked at her, and her whole face, her whole countenance changed. And she looked up at me, biggest smile I've ever seen on her face, and she said, it's gone. Praise God. That's right. And you know what? You, might, you can sit there and have, be, have, be skeptic all you want. Be skeptical all you want. I tell you without a question, that was 23 years ago, and I know it like yesterday. It was absolutely God doing it. And he answered that prayer immediately and gave us the answer we wanted. There's other times he answers your prayers, but he gives you, he does it in his own time. He doesn't do it in your time, which as you grow in your faith, you realize that's usually how it goes. He usually doesn't feel the urgency we feel in our situations. You know, I remember being in my early 20s and praying for a spouse and praying and praying and praying. I was ready. You know, God, I need a spouse. He finally brought me a really, really great one, but he, I, she didn't come along that first day. I had to wait a while. I guess, you know, I thought I was ready. God didn't. So I had to wait but I got the answer I wanted, it just wasn't in the time I wanted. But then there's times where you get the answer you don't want and it's in the timing you don't want. Like when you've prayed for a loved one that got sick and they still passed away, like we did with, our, with my mom. And you didn't see what you wanted to see in that moment. But let me tell you something, God was just as faithful in that moment as he was when I prayed for that woman that got healed of her headache. His faithfulness does not depend on the outcome of our situation. And it also doesn't depend on how we feel in a situation. He is always, always faithful. So today, I wanna to talk to you about standing in the gap. I told you that's the title of my message and, and specifically how God uses us to reveal or to be a vehicle for his faithfulness in the lives of others. And how God uses others to be a vehicle of his faithfulness for you. You know, God uses people to reveal and to carry his faithfulness into other people's lives all the time. And the, the term standing in the gap comes from ancient times, you know, when, uh, when the cities were surrounded with walls to protect them from the enemy. And the enemy, when it would attack a city, the first thing they'd do is go after the wall and try to break holes in the wall so the soldiers can get in and, and take over the city. And so when those holes would be blown into these walls, the commander of the army would send his soldiers down to guard that hole so that people can't just come in and overtake the city. They were, called, they were told to go down and stand in the gap. And so these soldiers would stand in the gap to protect the city from the onslaught of the enemy. And, and, and when, when you see these stories in the Bible where God protected Israel, the, the, the cities, the towns in Israel, against their enemies, you know, it, it doesn't say it specifically, but oftentimes there was definitely holes in the wall where Israeli soldiers had to go down and stand in the gap to protect the city. And when God delivered the city from those people, they would talk about the faithfulness of God, but God was using people to stand in that gap to help bring his faithfulness to protect them from the others. So what we're saying today is that God's faithfulness is not just about him being faithful to you, but it's about him being faithful through you. Did you guys get that? It's not just about him being faithful to you, it's about him being faithful through you. We're not just here to receive God's blessing and grace and his faithfulness, we're also agents of his faithfulness in the lives of those that God puts in our circle and in our life. And you might say, ah, you know, I'm not, I'm not good enough. I have too many issues. You know, I just don't have what it takes to really be one of those people that God would ever want to use. 
Well, that's one of, the, one of the most effective lies of your enemy. You know, God used a donkey to show his faithfulness to Balaam. He can use you. He used a murderer to deliver his people out of Egypt. He used a lot of really, really flawed people. It's not about whether or not you're good enough. It's about the sovereignty and the grace of God in you and through you. Okay? It's not about how well we can behave to let God use us. God, can, God will use non-believers in your life to show his faithfulness. So how much more will he use those that have the spirit of God in them? Because see, God uses us in the natural to display his supernatural. He uses us in the natural to display his supernatural. You know, there's no distinction between the supernatural and the natural when it comes to God's faithfulness. If you have somebody in your life that has a disease and somebody prayed for them, you prayed for them and God healed them, and you just knew it was God. They went back to the doctor, and the doctor's like, I can't explain it. I don't know what's going on, but this person doesn't have what they had, and you knew it was a supernatural act of God. It's a beautiful thing. If that same person has a disease, and they go to the doctor, and they get a prescription, and they get medicine, or they have surgery, and that disease is taken out of their body by other means, it is just as supernatural as the first one. Because the reality is, the ability that the doctors have to be able to do the work on someone like that was given to them by God. So if God's gonna do it in an instant or if he's gonna do it through other people, it's this just as supernatural either way because we serve a supernatural God. That's who he is. Anything God does is supernatural. Don't get caught up in the bad thinking of thinking the only thing that's really supernatural is if it's one of those moments that angels are singing in heaven and I can hear them. God uses people. That's why we, we just preach so much about community and how important it is to be with other believers because God uses us to be to, to be agents of his faithfulness to others and the other way around. You could be an agent of faithfulness to someone in their life and the next week they could be the agent of faithfulness in your life. It's not just from one side to the other, it's all over, it's interweaved, intertwined, everything because that's exactly how God designed it for us. God's faithfulness to the Jews was supernatural but he used natural means. He saved them from starvation by causing Joseph to save enough food to save the whole world when they had a famine. He saved them from slavery by causing Moses to lead them out of Egypt. He saved them from complete annihilation through Esther. God used natural people to show his faithfulness to his chosen people. He does the same thing for us. He does it for you and he wants to do it through you as well. And you know, one of the best biblical examples in the New Testament that you see of this is out of my text. It's a little different spin on that verse, which many of you have heard that story about the guy's lowering the guy down into the building, into the house right in front of Jesus, and Jesus heals him. It's an incredible story. But there's, a, there's a, an angle, a perspective of this story that oftentimes isn't looked at, and that's this, these guys that carried him into, or to the house, couldn't get in, went up to the roof, broke open the roof, and lowered him down right in front of Jesus. Those guys stood in the gap for this paralytic that could not have gotten to Jesus on his own. Had no way to get to him on his own. And it doesn't take a genius to know that that man that was healed, it says that he went home praising God. I can promise you that, that man didn't just praise God until he got home. He praised God the rest of his life. He praised God. He told that story anytime anyone would listen. He told it whether you wanted to hear it or not, I bet. Because he was paralyzed and now he could actually walk. God's faithfulness came just as much through these, the willingness of these guys as it did the miraculous touch that he had on this man to heal him from his paralysis. And what I love about this story so much 
is that it proves that, that God wants to use people as agents of his faithfulness and even to encourage us in our faith. God revealed this to me a few years ago, actually, uh, just such a, a powerful aspect of this story that shows that God's faithfulness in my life and in your life doesn't solely depend on my amount of faith. How many of you have struggled believing that God can actually come through for you or that God would answer a prayer or God would do something for you because you just don't feel like you have enough faith? You just are struggling with doubt. You're struggling with cynicism. You're struggling with frustration. I'm, I'm, I'm probably the only one in the room that does that, but just indulge me for a minute. That's a joke because we all, all of us struggle with that at times where we don't, just don't feel like we deserve for God to even answer our prayer because we're just struggling in our faith. We don't have enough faith to believe for something. And it's amazing what God showed me in this passage because what he showed me is that there's actually power in shared faith. Shared faith. Now, before you rise up and wanna call me a heretic, let me just explain this to you because this is actually really cool. It's actually very freeing if we can get a hold of this in our life. How, let me ask you a question. How often, how many times have you uh, had enough faith to stand for somebody else when they needed you to pray with them, right? When somebody comes to you, it's, it's easy to stand with them in faith for what they need. Like, ah, you know, I got this financial debt that I really need God's help to get me out of. Oh, let's hold hands. I'll pray with you. I'm gonna believe. I'm gonna stand in faith and I'm gonna, mm, I'm gonna muster up all the faith I can to believe that God's gonna come through for you, brother. And, and mean it genuinely. I do it all the time. I can believe for you. Anything you want me to pray for for you, I will pray and I will believe it. But how much harder is it to believe for something for yourself? I can believe for you a lot easier than I can believe for me. Partly because I know my shortcomings. I know the thoughts that are in my head. And I know this, I shouldn't say this because I'm a pastor, but they're not all good. They're just not. And so I can come up with a list of reasons why God shouldn't answer my prayer. A list of them. And but for you, well, I know God's merciful and he's full of grace and he'll look past, he'll, he'll, you know, he'll, he doesn't use those things to get in the way of what he wants to do in your life. And I can believe that for you, but when it comes to me, I, but God, I know I shouldn't have done that the other day. I know I shouldn't have said that. That thought I had about that person, I know that wasn't good. You're, don't worry about it, God, just, I'll leave you alone. That's the thoughts we have. And so sometimes God gives us a situational experience like this man had in this story out of my text. In fact, I'm gonna read verse 20 to you again. It says, when Jesus saw their faith, everyone say their faith. their faith. He said, friend, your sins are forgiven. Now look, you guys know the Bible does not mince words. It does not just throw words in there just for the fun of it. This was specifically done for a reason. It says that he saw their plural faith and he healed singular man. He saw their faith. He saw that these guys were standing in the gap. He saw that these guys obviously did a lot to get that guy to the house, that they, they had to sacrifice to get him there. And they, they wouldn't have done it if they didn't have the faith that Jesus could heal him. And it says that he saw their faith, so he healed him. This guy, don't kid yourself, he was a paralytic. Back in first century, there wasn't much hope if that was you. You were gonna live that way your whole life. They'd, no one, there'd never been a healer like Jesus that came along. So there was no option of that. Medical care was very limited and most people were so poor they couldn't afford it anyway. He was gonna be a paralytic his whole life. 
So he was obviously probably discouraged. These guys heard about Jesus. Hey, this guy, this guy, Jesus is in a house. He's healing people. We're going to get you there. And then they get there and they can't get in. They're like, well, that ain't going to stop us. They go to the roof, tear open the roof. Sorry for the guy that owns the house. I'm sure he's not praising God, but it worked out for everybody else. And they lower him down in front of Jesus and he gets healed. God will help you in situations if, if you will be an agent of faithfulness to somebody or somebody else to you where you can share faith, where you can actually lean on someone else's faith in your life. I can't tell you as a married person how many times I've leaned on my wife's faith and how much she's leaned on mine. That's one of the beauties of being married is you can lift each other up. And we, we use different terminology, but that's really what it is. I'm, I'm trusting in your faith to help me get through this season and vice versa at other seasons because that's exactly how God is. And it's so beautiful because these guys said to this guy, we're gonna get you in front of Jesus. And church, sometimes you need a friend for when you can't get in front of Jesus because of whatever, that you got somebody that will say to you, I'm getting you in front of Jesus. And that's beautiful. That you can, that somebody else can stand in the gap for you, but I'm telling you, you're called to do the same thing for everybody else. We are called to stand in the gap. And when our faith isn't at a place to make it to Jesus on our own, God can show his faithfulness to us by help by someone else bringing you there. Don't be too proud. That, that paralytic was not too proud to let these guys take him in front of Jesus. Now, that's a great New Testament example of God using someone else as an agent of faithfulness. But we also, I told you, we're gonna have videos each week the rest of this month. And we got another uh, example of this right here out of our very own church that I want you to watch for the next few minutes, and then I'll come back. All right, I'm Joe Hudgens, and this is my wife, Devin. We had a very close person to us who was pregnant and got a Down syndrome diagnosis around 12 weeks, and that sort of changed the course of the pregnancy. Because, I mean, we could tell that something had changed for them, and we were a little concerned that maybe they weren't going to um, proceed with the pregnancy, but we were praying for them and trying to encourage them. We put the offer out there um, that we would love to adopt their child if, you know, they felt that they couldn't um, go through that, you know, a lifelong process. It didn't work out, and so there was an abortion that happened at 17 weeks. But we felt like the Lord was calling us because we realized we were willing to adopt. Our church was reading this book, Dangerous Prayers, literally at that time that this was happening. It was ordained because it was prompting us to step out of our comfort zone and to be okay with surrendering ourselves. We came to a place where it's like, Lord, if you're calling us to this, okay, because we don't know how, we can't afford this. Mm. We're old. I mean, we're not old, <laughs> but you know what I mean. I mean, we're not 25. So we're going to take the step and we're going to lay it at your feet. And so we told the Lord we'd say yes to every baby that was presented to us, no matter what problems they had, heart problems, whatever. And we're like, Lord, this is our offering to you. Like an hour right after the um, uh, meeting. Yeah, he called Amber. Yeah, one um, of the social worker. And just said that everything was great and they're looking forward to moving on. And by August 18th, um, we met and got baby Jack. Oh, I mean, he was 10 months old right by the time mm -hmm. we got him. When we saw him, he was eight months old. We noticed pretty right away. I mean, he'd take a nap when he'd wake up, he would like twitch. 
like he was being startled. Uh, long story short, they ended up diagnosing him with infantile spasm. Gave us what steroid shots they were. A type right. of steroid shot was the nightmare because we had to give them to him ourselves. So we're not nurses. <laughs> they give us these super long needles. Mm -hmm. There's this little child, and we're having to hold him down while he's freaking out, jabbing needles, and it was like it was a nightmare, yeah. a total nightmare. And it was it went on for about a month. He ballooned up real bad. His blood pressure went through the roof. I remember coming home one Saturday. The mother-in-law was there. And the mother-in-law's crying, Devin's crying, and Jack's crying. All of them are crying. And I'm like, what is going on? But yeah, yeah, you can easily question, you know, did I really hear what I thought I heard? You know, did God really call us to this? Was this just our own ego? You know, or our own flesh wanting something? But I mean, the love that we get from him and that we give him, I mean, it's just like, just pure love and... Unconditional, but it is. There's just, there's a love, there's a joy there. You know, it's like, we didn't deserve this. Mm -hmm. Why us, right? And, you know, we weren't nobody special. We were not, we are not special people. Right. When God <laughs> called us to this, it's because we're not special people, okay? <laughs> like, at all. Uh, and, you know, like he's just so good how he weaved all these things together. Our life is not our own. It's like every day, if you can have that prayer that I want to die to self, you know, die to self. And Lord, what do you want me to do? And, and like this dangerous prayers, it says, <clears throat> I think it says like, search me, like search my heart, um, send me, break me. I mean, that's scary. It's a scary prayer to say, break me. The Lord, I mean, He has something for you. You just need to pray about it. What is He? What is He calling you to do? And then don't be afraid to step out because He is worthy of being trusted. If He's calling you to do it, He's going to provide, and that we—I mean, He's proved that Over. our whole lives, literally. Yeah. He's proven that our whole lives. Yet we still have a tendency to, mm -hmm. you know, you've you've taken me out here to kill me. Now you should have left me in Egypt, yeah. <laughs> right? But. You know, uh, what did Jesus truly mean when he says, I've come to give you life and to give you life more abundantly? It's not comfort, because we can find that in things in the world. That's just reality. I mean, you can look at celebrities and the wealthy, and if you work hard enough and you do, yeah, I can find comfort. I can find an abundant life. But what did Jesus mean by an abundant life? And it's not the life that we think we want in this world or the comfort that is of this world because that will let us down. The abundant life is the life lived for Christ, the life lived of love. I mean, that's ask the Lord, what do you want me to do? Whatever that may be, my heart, my life, it's yours. Tell me, and then all you can do is make that first step and he will guide the rest of the way. Like we didn't know that we were missing Jack until we got Jack. Like there was just us three and we were good with that. You know what I mean? And it's like, but now there's four and I couldn't imagine it without them. I couldn't imagine life, I don't know. Such a beautiful, beautiful story. Uh, I am so challenged by uh, Joe and Devin's faithfulness and willingness to be used by God. I love what he said. He said, we didn't know we missed Jack until we met him. And uh, it's beautiful. And if you've ever met Jack, he is about as adorable as they come. So uh, they are very, very blessed. In fact, um, this was one of the 
the most incredible examples, incredible success stories of God's faithfulness. Um, in fact, I was so blessed to be part of the, the group. There was dozens of us that went to the courthouse the day that his adoption was finalized. And um, it was so amazing, uh, such an unbelievable display of the faithfulness of God. And, uh, you know, Jack doesn't understand what's going on yet, and he can't talk yet, but if he could, I promise you he would be talking about the faithfulness of God to put him in that family because he was rejected by his family. And God was faithful to him by bringing him the Hudgens and uh, putting him in that family forever. And so uh, such a great story uh, and just an example of the fact that we are called to stand in the gap, that we are the agents of, faith, of God's faithfulness in life. And so I wanna give you uh, three things quickly. I won't take a long time on this, but I, I wanna share these with you because uh, when it comes to uh, being agents of faithfulness, we have to be willing to be the answer. You don't have to be good enough, you just have to be willing to be the answer for somebody in your life. And uh, Devin mentioned uh, those three things, uh, search me, break me, and send me. That's from a book that we were doing during that time. And um, I think those are crucial, and it's so good to, uh, to put that out before us today just to check our own hearts. Because it starts with search me. So the question is, are you willing to let God search your heart? You know, there are three main aspects to our faith. There's the head, the heart, and the hands. Those are the three main outworkings of your faith and, how, and, and, and um, agents in your faith. The first one would be the head. The head is the easiest one to engage in our faith. It's about getting head knowledge, you know, getting the word of God, reading your Bible, uh, maybe reading some Christian literature, you know, listening to sermons, getting head knowledge. It's a good thing that we, that we get, we understand the things of the faith but it's also probably the easiest to engage because there's not a lot of risk there. We're just taking in information, right? And then the next one would be the hands. Hands, probably the most common. This is what the things we do in faith, the things we outwardly do. How, do we, how does our faith outwork? You know, how do we serve others and go into church and doing things like that? There's things we can do for God in our faith. It's, a, it's probably easily the most common thing to do because again, uh, there's not a lot of risk there. The biggest sacrifice is maybe sacrificing some of your time maybe some of your resources, but it's things we can do in our faith. But the hardest one by far is engaging our heart in our faith. But it's also the most important. See, the heart is where if we open up our heart to God, we let God search our heart, that's where we become vulnerable. Anytime you open your heart to anything, you allow your emotions to engage in any situation, it makes you vulnerable. If you open up your heart to someone of the opposite sex, you are making yourself vulnerable. You're making, setting yourself up to where that person could hurt you now. Whereas if your heart's closed off, that person can't hurt you. It's the same thing with God. If we don't open up our heart to God, he can't hurt us. And so it's the most difficult by far to engage, but it is the most important for us to engage because when we do this, he touches things that we really care about. That's why, it made, that's why it's so difficult. He touches our passions. He touches our struggles. He touches our insecurities. We see things we don't really wanna see and we have to deal with things we don't really wanna have to deal with. Many Christians never, ever open up their heart to God and really let the, him search them. We're, 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 we kind of stop at the point of needing a savior, but we're not really willing to let him be Lord of our life. And we don't give him that, that uh, access into our life. But the reality is if we just engage our head and our hands, we're just Pharisees. Because that's exactly what the Pharisees were in the first century when Jesus was around. The Pharisees had all the head knowledge in the world. They literally had to memorize the Torah. The first five books of the Bible, they memorized it. That seems impossible to me. There's so many words 
<laughs> in those first five books, but they would have to memorize it. So they had all the head knowledge in the world. They knew the law. They knew everything. Man, when it came to what was between the ears, they were gold. And they had the hands. They engaged their hands. They did the stuff. They addressed appropriately. They knew how to pray. They fasted. They gave offerings. They did all the things that they were supposed to do with their hands. But their hearts were far from God, and they were the ones that Jesus rebuked more than anybody else because they didn't open up their heart to God. It was just their head and their hand. And I don't think any one of us in here wanted to be a Pharisee. But that's what happens if you only give him two-thirds of your, your whole being. We need to be like the, the psalmist, King David, when he wrote Psalm 139. Very famous verse in, in verse 23 and 4. He says, search me, O God, and know my heart. Test me and know my anxious thoughts. See if there's any offensive way in me and lead me in the way everlasting. Man, that's a beautiful verse. I've seen it in bookmarks. I've seen it in all kinds of stuff. But man, when you really think about it, it is scary as all get out. To ask God to search your heart, to see, to test me and know my anxious thoughts and lead me in the way everlasting. You're asking him, you're giving him access into your heart. But when we open our heart to God and let him search us, that's what opens the doors of faith in our life that those that don't open their heart can never experience. Can never step into the joy of the Lord in that capacity until they open up their heart to him. It's the only way to do it. I can tell you my personal life. God had my head and my hands a long time before he had my heart. And honestly, I don't even know if I was saved. I knew the right things to do, but I feel like I was just a Pharisee. I feel like if Jesus had come to the earth, he, I would have been one of the ones he would have been rebuking and calling me a whitewashed tomb because I knew what to do and I, ha I had the knowledge and I knew how to do stuff that looked Christian-y, but my heart was far from him. And I think it wasn't until I said, God, you could have my heart it wasn't until I laid my heart open before him that I really experienced the peace, the joy, the contentment, the blessing of knowing Jesus in a way that many people don't ever get to know. But that's what he wants for each one of us, if we are willing to let him search our heart. Now, the reason letting him search your heart is scary because it's because of the next one, because then he breaks us. Search me and then break me. If he reveals things in our heart, he's gonna deal with it. <laughs> and that's scary. If he actually has to deal with the things in our heart. Once he shows us our heart, he's going to deal with it. And it's also one of the greatest acts of faithfulness that God could ever do in your life. In fact, you know one of the greatest acts of faithfulness ever for God in your life is conviction. Him convicting your heart is a display of his faithfulness. Why is that? Because if he's convicting you, that means you're going the wrong direction. Because when he convicts, the call is to repent. Repent means literally to turn around and go the other way. So if I'm going in the wrong direction, I most certainly want the conviction of God in my life. Because see, if we don't experience conviction, that means we've hardened our heart to it. We haven't opened our heart. Once you open your heart, the conviction's gonna come in. But I would hope we would wanna know if we're going in the wrong direction. If I'm using my phone and I'm using the map and it's taking me the wrong way, when I find out I'm going the wrong way, I'm pretty frustrated. In fact, that just happened to us a couple weeks ago. I was on I-20 in Atlanta and it told me to get off at the wrong exit. Ooh, boy, did that test my Christianity. Ooh, praise God. But if we're going the wrong way in a car, we definitely want to know. We should want to know spiritually all the more if we're going the wrong way. The, the conviction of God to break us is the greatest act of faithfulness he can do. But see, brokenness is somewhat of a, of a forgotten concept in a lot of ways is because God won't break us unless we let him. He doesn't force us to be broken. We have to be willing to let him. And the sad thing is what we typically do is we're looking for the path of least resistance. 
We're looking for the easiest route. We're not really looking for brokenness. We're really just looking for God to bless what we wanna do. And I can tell you, church, if you wanna choose the path of least resistance, God will let you do it. But boy, are you gonna miss out on so much. You are going to miss out on so much of what God wants to do in your life. Paul said in 2 Corinthians 1, I underlined the words here that just show that are words of difficulty that he had to deal with. He says, I don't want you to be uninformed, brothers, about the hardships we suffered in the province of Asia. We were under great pressure, far beyond our ability to endure, so that we despaired even of life. Indeed, our hearts were full, we felt the, de the sentence of death. So he was not taking the path of least resistance. He was experiencing a lot of hardships. This is why. This happened that we might not rely on ourselves, but on God who raises the dead. This happened so that we might not rely on ourselves, but on God. That sums up everything that's difficult in your life, church. Anything you're going through right now or in the past, you name it. Think of something right now that you're going through that you don't wanna go through. Just think about it just for one second. Whatever it is, it doesn't matter if it's a horrible trauma or if it's just some annoyance. Whatever it is, this is the answer. This happens so that we might not rely on ourselves, but on God. It's that simple. I don't know what you've been told your whole life, but what I can tell you is the honest to God truth, that God's number one priority in your life is that you would rely on him. That's first and foremost. More than your healing, more than your blessing, more than your deliverance, more than your freedom, more than any of those things, what he wants first is for you to rely on him. And he will bring things into your life if you allow him to break you that will cause you to have to rely on him. He brings, things in, he brings in our life something I like to call divine friction. <laughs> you know, friction's a good thing on the earth. It's a really good thing. I mean, you, you can, most of us can walk pretty easily without a lot of trouble. You add a sheet of ice underneath what we're walking on or on top of what we're walking on, it's a different story. I, I, I've heard that people try to capture greased pigs. Never done it, but I heard it's a thing. And I can, pro I can say pretty confidently that a greased pig is harder to catch than a non-greased pig because there's less friction, right? Friction is a good thing. It makes things easier in a lot of ways in our life. Spiritually, friction is a good thing, not because it makes it easier, but it causes us to rely on our God. And that's worth it, especially according to what Paul said in his, in his hardships that he suffered while he was in Asia. God lets these things come into our lives so that we will rely on him. So we ask him to search us and then to break us. And then when, we, when he breaks us, then he can send us. He doesn't send us until we're searched and broken because he wants to send vessels that are his, that are laid out before him. God is searching for people whose hearts are willing to be vehicles of his faithfulness. People that where God has a need, where he wants to use someone in someone else's life, he can know that you'll say yes. God wanted to give Jack a home and so he, had to, he found somebody that was willing to say yes. They were, Joe and Devin were sent to Jack because they were searched and broken before God. Paul said in that same chapter in, in 2 Corinthians 1, earlier in the chapter, he's given praise to God. He says, praise be to God, the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of compassion and the God of all comfort who comforts us in our troubles. Now watch this, so that we can, everyone say, so that we can so that we can comfort those in any trouble with the comfort we ourselves have received from God. For just as the sufferings of Christ flow over into our lives, so also through Christ our comfort overflows. So the Lord allows things to come into our life 
that make us uncomfortable so that he can comfort us and so that we can use that comfort to comfort others in our life. He sends us to be agents of comfort. You know, the Bible says the Holy Spirit is the comforter that comes into our life. But he also uses us to be comforters to others. You know, there's nothing like being able to be empathetic in a situation and not just sympathetic. There's nothing like it. If, you're, if you've experienced something that someone else is going through, you can speak into that situation way better than anyone else ever could because you've been there. And Paul is saying that very clearly. He, he, he allows these things in our lives so that we can comfort those who go through what we go through. And that's a blessing. But God has to be able to send us. He has to have people that will say yes, people that will be open to it. And I know some of you might think, man, the thought of doing what Joe and Devin are doing would, would terrify me. You know, I'm just, I'm not there. And, and God doesn't send all of us to do exactly what they've done. He sends us to do whatever he has for us. He's looking for hearts that are open to say, God, whatever you want. Whatever you want in my life. I promise you, if you ask Joe and Devin five years ago, tell them, hey, you're going to adopt a Down syndrome baby when you're well into your 40s they would have probably not had a good response because they weren't ready. But God prepared them, made them ready. Now it's to the point where they can't imagine a life without him. Joe said, we didn't know we missed him until we met him. And God has something for you too, to be an agent of his faithfulness. And not necessarily these huge, enormous things that require a bunch of people to go to a courthouse to celebrate this huge thing. It might be something just as simple as being there for someone, being able to encourage them in their faith telling them to hang on, that God's got them, that it's going to be okay, that this is, not the, this is not the entirety of your life. This is not going to define your life. You're going to make it through this. Sometimes it's just that. And sometimes it is something huge where you're making enormous sacrifices for someone, but God will only send you if you have allowed him to search you and break you. And it's the best place you could ever be, church. It's the best place you could ever be. I told God all the time I didn't want to go overseas to be a missionary. And by the time he had prepared my heart to the place that when a team had announced they were going to send a team to West Africa to plan a ministry there, I could not wait to go. And two years earlier, if you'd have told me I was going, I would have thrown up because I would have been so not wanting to do it. I didn't want to go anywhere. I like my comfort. I like my air conditioning. But God prepared me because I'd gotten to a place where I let him search me. I've let him break me. And then he sent me. But that's what God has for each one of us. He wants us to stand in the gap to be a vessel of his faithfulness. Will you stand with me, please? I want to pray for us today. I want to pray that you would open your hearts. Church, I just ask you, just open your heart to the Lord, what he would want to say to you. Let him search you. Let him break you. And let him send you. That's his plan for each and every one of us. And he's not going to take you from being completely out, out of the mindset or even willing to do that. And you say, okay, now I'm willing. And then God's like, oh, he said he's willing. All right, pack your bags for Antarctica. It's not how our God works. He prepares us for these things. It gets us to a place, literally, Joe and Devin got to a place where they could not wait to adopt a Down syndrome baby. Couldn't wait for it. He prepares us for the things he calls us to but he needs us to be open to let him do that. So let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you today. God, we know that you are faithful in every situation. God, whether we see it or not, we know that you are good and we know that you are faithful. 
God, thank you for the times we get to see it with our eyes. But Lord, thank you also for the times that we have to see it with our faith. God, we wanna stand in the gap. We know that each person under the sound of my voice is called to be agents of your faithfulness. We know that there are people in all of our lives that need shared faith right now, that need someone's faith to stir their faith, that need someone's strength to help them in their weakness. God, put that person on each one of our hearts now. Remind us of who those people are in our life. And God, give us the strength to stand in the gap, to stand in that hole in the wall, to protect from the onslaught of the enemy, or to be willing to say, I'm gonna get you in front of Jesus if it kills me. God, we would do whatever it takes. Lord, search our hearts. God, we, I know that's a scary prayer to ask you to search us because I know you're gonna shine the light on things that we don't necessarily wanna deal with. But Lord, I know I've experienced it in my own life that when you show this, our heart and you expose those things and you break us, that it is a beautiful, beautiful thing. The discipline of the Lord is the greatest thing in all the earth. We thank you for your conviction, God. Help us to never get so hard-hearted that we can never be convicted. Help us, Jesus. Search us, break us, and send us for your glory, God. We thank you for it today, Jesus. We thank you for your mercy and your grace. We thank you for salvation that is free for all, for anyone who will come and confess that you are Lord and believe in their heart that God raised you from the dead, that we will be saved. I pray that no one under the sound of my voice would leave this season or this moment today without knowing that they are saved, without knowing that their name is written in your book of life. We bless you and we thank you for it today in the mighty name of Jesus. And everyone said, amen. amen. Praise God. Can we praise God one more time? Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Hallelujah. Bless God.